Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Continuing with requests, this one today comes to us from Joseph. It is The Ruins from 2008. I read the novel uh, shortly after it came out, and, you know, I don't normally just run to a shelf and see something that I never heard of before, pick it up and go, oh, that looks interesting, and then buy it and read it right away. Like, usually that's not the way I operate. But I think uh, at the time I was on a trip somewhere, it was a pretty big overseas flight, and this novel had just come out, and I think Stephen King had said something pretty nice about the author and the author himself being a journalist this was actually not the first thing he had written obviously but the first novel he had written uh, and actually got a lot of encouragement from Stephen King so I, I read a little bit of that and I thought oh this 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 would be interesting nice to read a first-time novel from a first-time novelist uh, who's been mentored in some way and it's horror and unlike you Craig I don't I don't usually sit down and read a lot of horror. You know, I read mysteries and thrillers and Stephen King, which can be horror from time to time, but I don't usually seek this stuff out. And I remembered really enjoying the book. It was different enough, but still had that oddly sort of pulpy feel uh, of this, just this whole scenario and this whole situation seemed a little bit familiar. Then when the movie came out, I watched it and uh, eh, it was okay. <laughs> so um, I was anxious to revisit it this time around, uh, having some distance between the last time I saw the movie and some distance from the time I read the novel. So I don't remember a lot about the book anymore. I haven't gone back and looked up anything about it before our talk. So I'm, I know you've read it too, Craig, right? So maybe you can help fill in the gaps a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. We actually have kind of a similar story because uh, I was judging um, a drama contest uh, out of my town and I realized when I had gotten there that I had forgotten to bring a book with me and there was going to be a lot of sitting around uh, and so I raced to the grocery store um, of the town that I was in and you know grocery stores have pretty limited selections but I saw this uh, on the shelf I think it was a bestseller and it looked promising, um, so I picked it up, and over the course of that day, just in these little periods of time that I had between different one acts that I was judging, I was reading this book, and I got so into it that I found myself like racing through my notes and evaluations mm -hmm. so that I could get back to the book <laughs> and have some time to read it before the next one act. I kind of couldn't put it down, and I finished it all in that one day. I really liked it. Uh, like you said, it's not like a literary masterpiece, but it was just really good storytelling. And I was kind of intrigued by the fact that if somebody had explained the premise to me before I started reading it, I would have said, that sounds really stupid. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant when I said it was a little pulpy, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but despite what initially appeared to me to be kind of a stupid premise, I actually found it to be... Uh, entertaining and I would and suspenseful and I was kind of on the edge of my seat um, and like I said I couldn't put it down I finished it all in that one day and then so I was excited to see the movie too the rights to the movie sold before the book was even published um, and uh, the guy who wrote it Scott B. Smith um, was hired on to do the screenplay and that in my opinion is usually a really good sign well often a good sign. I guess it depends on who the novelist is. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised 
when I saw the movie, how different it was than the book. I mean, ultimately, a lot of the same things happen, but they happen in different sequence and to different characters. And I'm not exactly sure why he made the choices that he did. Not to say that they're bad choices, just different. I wonder if maybe it had a little bit to do with casting, because probably... At the time the movie was made, and, and maybe even still now, probably the biggest name in the movie is Jenna Malone, or Maloney, I'm not sure how she says her name, um, but she was a, a child actor and has been working ever since she was a young girl, but as a woman now, she's appeared in the Hunger Games series, she played Joanna in the Hunger Games series. At the time, I think that she was the biggest name of all of these four or five um, central characters. Mm. Um, And in... I mean, I'm going to go ahead and get kind of spoilery here in the beginning. Maybe a little, I guess. But in the book, she's the first to die. And in the movie, she's not. And I wonder (laughs) (laughs) if maybe it was because of her status that that change was made. I have no idea. That's purely speculation on my point or on my part. Uh, The point is, yes, the book and the movie are different. And I remember, too, because the book was so fresh in my mind, being a little bit disappointed the first time I saw it. But after, you know, kind of getting over that and going back and watching it again, and at this point, you know, this movie's been out for a while. I've seen it several times. I appreciate the movie uh, on its own. Uh, I don't think it's amazing, but I think it's pretty good. And there's... uh, some definitely some good stuff to talk about yeah i agree and and i have to go back and correct one thing that i had said earlier uh this i guess was scott smith's first horror novel he did do a novel before this uh that a movie was based on he also did the screenplay for that movie as well uh, a simple plan with bill paxton i think um it's directed by if i'm not mistaken it's directed by uh, either sam raimi or the cohen brothers i think it's sam raimi and and that is a fantastic movie it's a fantastic story and it's really twisty and really you know sort of the story of this plan gone awry and uh, i would by the way highly recommend that I'd, I'd be interested to read the novel now that i now that i realized that <laughs> but he had done that 10 years before this one so uh this was his first step out the gate in 10 years like i said i don't really remember that much about the novel but it does take place and this is why i think it sounds so seems so familiar is it's one of these stories of a bunch of uh college age people um who are on vacation in a foreign country you know they're all americans in a foreign country and uh somebody comes along with some idea to go out somewhere and do something unique and special and they go out and being kind of stupid and out of their element they don't really understand the culture they're in and the the places they're in and things like that they get in way over their heads Mm -hmm. which is basically like hostile (laughs) it's like um, cannibal holocaust you know it's like a lot of these movies um but this has its own kind of unique twist on it and i think it's Although the premise itself is pulpy, and by the way, the premise is these killer plants. Right. But not Little Shop of Horror style. <laughs> it works pretty well, I think, as a, as this kind of thriller. It worked well in the book, and it did work well in the movie. I think the only thing that I came around, away with watching this movie the second time thinking was, I just thought a lot more stuff happened. <laughs> you it's know? true. It, there really yeah. wasn't a lot that happened in the movie. And I think for a movie about killer plants and these people who are surrounded all t- at all times by the threat of these killer plants, the plants are not all that threatening except in certain 
moments. Right. And I have to feel that if I were in the situation that they were in, I would be a lot more freaked out and I would be making much different choices than they do, um, especially as it becomes clear to them what's going on. I don't know. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. Uh, But in my head anyway... As far as the movie goes, I remember there being a lot more action in the book. I might be wrong. Was there? Well, I don't remember that well either because it's been, you know, over a decade since I've read it. But I think that the difference is in a book, you can get a lot more into the nuances of character and relationships. And I think that that is a lot more... Well, I don't want to say it's where the focus was because it was still a horror novel and there were still very, you know, scary, gross things happening. But um, I think it was more character driven. Mm. Uh, And just, you know, by nature of the medium of film, we don't get to know the characters as well. We don't see the subtleties of the nuances of their relationships as much. I mean, we see it a little bit, um, but it's also a little bit limited, and the focus is really more kind of on the visual stuff going on with these plants, Uh, which is fine because I think that, you know, the effects in the movie are good, and it's gory and gross, and it makes you squirm uh, in your seat a lot. And so it's successful on that level, I think. But uh, you're right in that ultimately, you know, they get where they're going and then they're there, you know, and <laughs> and then they're in trouble. And, and that, that that's kind of how it works. Well, but. I guess for me, the other general thing before we kind of dive into the plot is that I don't think there was any problem necessarily with the character development in this movie. I just don't think I really fell in love with anybody. You know, I don't think I ever was like, oh, that's an interesting guy or, oh, that girl, you know, she I really hope she lives or, well, he's a jerk or or whatever. And maybe that's not a negative, depending on how you view it, because the characters seem authentic. They just seem like uh, we dropped in on a bunch of college kids who we don't know a whole heck of a lot about. And we're not with them for very long um, before they get into this situation. And then the situation happens, and they got to deal with the situation. They're not, you know, which is sometimes a fault of other movies, jumping into high drama between each other, really, right? There's a little bit of some tension between some of the characters. But I would like to think anyway that if I'm in a bad, horrible kind of emergency type situation that... I'm not going to, you know, go off for half a day and sulk because I'm a little more concerned about my boy, my girlfriend's relationship, you know, flirting with somebody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's even addressed directly. You know, at one point, so there's these four young people, like you said. Jeff is uh, a med student. I mean, they're young. They're in their early 20s. He's a med student. His girlfriend, Amy, played by Jenna Malone, and then her best friend, Stacy, played by Laura Ramsey, and Stacy's boyfriend, Eric, played by Sean Ashmore. Uh, and I, Jeff is played by Jonathan Tucker, if I didn't mention that before. Mm. These four people all together, there's one point when there's an accusation or a misunderstanding where they think that Amy has been flirting with or getting physical with Eric, who is her best friend's boyfriend, not her own boyfriend. And so when Amy is talking to her boyfriend about it, and she says, you know, it's not true, it didn't happen, he basically says, 
listen, if the roles were reversed, would you even care? And I took that to mean, like, what difference does it really make at this point? Like, (laughs) we have bigger things to worry about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing, you know, you said you didn't particularly care about any of them. Um, I mean, I kind of did. I don't mean I felt so distant from them. I guess I just, um, there wasn't any one particular character or two that I really latched onto or that I felt like that I knew really well, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, no, I understand what you mean, uh, and and I agree with you. That's why I say, like, in the book, it, there were there was more character, but that doesn't necessarily even mean that the characters were more likable. Like, for example, here, the, the movie really kind of presents Amy is the main character. I don't remember that being the case in the book. It was very much just ensemble. They were a group, um, and we were with all of them all the time. So it wasn't, you know, a central character kind of thing. Here they kind of present Amy as the main character, and there are moments where she makes some choices and decisions that, you know, aren't very... She doesn't come across as very likable. I remember in the book that she was very unlikable. She was really selfish, really careless with other people's feelings and safety. That was something that I thought was kind of missing from the movie. But again, they're just two separate entities. The movie starts out, you know, like you said, like all these movies, like Turistas, all these movies where it's these young people on vacation and they're in Mexico um, at a resort and they're just hanging out doing you know, young people stuff, drinking, hanging out by the pool, and they meet this German guy named Matthias and kind of invite him into the group, Uh, and he says that the following day, he and some of his friends that he's met there, these Greek guys, are going to be going to visit his brother, Matthias's brother, at an archaeological dig. She's an archaeologist. He went with her to a dig site. And what are they digging? Like an excavation? Yeah, it's the ruins, I think, a Mayan temple. Kind of like the ones that nobody uh, here wanted here, yeah. to go to yes, the entire time that we've been here. Mm, apparently, it's not even in the guidebooks. VIP only. Yeah, see, Jeff, that's something I would do. Oh, yeah? Sounds like fun. Well, if you're interested, I'm going there tomorrow. Highness was supposed to be back by now, but uh, he must be having a good time now. Ultimately, they decide to go, but... Before that, there's still one night, and again, you kind of uh, get a little bit of insight into Amy's character, and she drinks too much. Her boyfriend, Jeff, goes to bed, and she immediately is all over Matthias. And apparently this is not out of character for her, because her friend, Stacy, and and Stacy's boyfriend, Eric, they're taking bets like on how long it's going to take her to, or whether or not she will try to kiss Matthias, which she eventually does, and they have to kind of get her away and and send her off to bed and stuff. And then the next morning, they all get up. Amy initially is very hungover and doesn't want to go, but Jeff talks her into going, and they all go. They take a bus to this small village, and then in the small village, they catch a taxi, which is just a pickup truck with taxi painted on the side. (laughs) Yep. And like in all of these movies, you know, there are warnings. Uh, They don't pull up to the creepy gas station and get a warning, but um, they ask the... They have a map, and in fact, uh, the Greek guys were all passed out drunk, and so the Greek guys didn't come, but they left them a copy of the map so they could join them later. But they showed the taxi driver this map, and the taxi driver's like, oh, no, 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 you don't want to go there. That's that's not a good place. I'll, I'll take you to a better place. 
but they give him money, and so he says, all right, I'll take you. And he drives them way out into the country and drops them off uh, at what appears to be like a drop-off point because there are other cars there, uh, and he leaves, but he gives them his cell phone number so that they can call when they're done. They're initially a little bit nervous about that, but Matias says, no, it's no big deal. I have a, uh, a satellite phone. I can get reception anywhere. So they go trekking through the woods. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to quickly get there, but I keep thinking of all of these, you know, again, like they, they have to trek through the woods. They're supposed to be able to find this path, but they can't initially find it. They see these two young Mayan children watching them kind of ominously from a diff distance. And while most of them are distracted by those kids, Matias is kind of looking around and he finds the path, but it appears that the path has been intentionally covered. Amy, I think, is like, why would that be? Why would they cover it up? And somebody else says, well, maybe the archaeologists don't want you know, a bunch of civilians hanging around or whatever. And Amy is nervous about it, but um, they decide to proceed in there anyway. And when they do, one of the little kids, the little boy, turns around and hightails it further into the forest. Mm -hmm. They finally arrive at these ruins. Now, in the book, even though the book is called The Ruins, there really were no ruins. It was just a big hill. But here, it's like a, a temple that is pretty big, and it's covered in these vines. And they're standing there, and they're, like, taking some pictures and things, and they see they can see kind of the flap of a tent at the top, so they figure they're at the right place, when all of a sudden, from out of the forest, come all of these Mayan men on horseback, yelling and screaming at them and waving around guns and, and other weapons. Um, and, of course, they're frightened. And that is when they get themselves into trouble, I guess, for lack of a better description. Yeah, they, they don't really know what to do, and, and they're Spanish. One of them, I think, is uh, Jeff, can speak a little bit of Spanish, but it's not really working. And these guys, you know, they can't communicate, but they're definitely yelling at them. Um, and they have guns out. Amy uh, ends up back. She's she's the photographer, and so she's snapping pictures. And they're like, don't snap pictures of these guys. She ends up backing into the foot, basically, of this temple, which is covered in vines, like you said. And she ends up stepping into the vines. This, we later learn, if it's not immediately obvious to you when you're watching the movie, is what sets these people off. And so they start screaming and yelling and threatening them more and basically force them up to the top. They know they're in, you know, serious danger because one of the Greek guys did come with them. And when the Mayans saw Amy step into the vines, they freak out and the Greek guy tries to approach them to calm things down and he's they shoot him. They yep. shoot him through the chest with an arrow, and then they blow his head off. Yeah, that's right. These kids know that, 
you know, these people mean business. So when they order them up the temple, they go. They don't they don't have any choice. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that bit. They go up the temple to the top and there is this camp set up, you know, there's the tent and everything. Um but Matthias is looking for his brother and can't immediately find him. Uh, there is a hole at the top the, with a structure over it, just a little frame and a rope that can be lowered down into it. So it's clear that they were on this expedition. And I can't remember if it's at this point that Matthias comes across the body or not. Yeah, yeah, it's right away. Yeah, right away. He comes across the body of his brother, I think it is. And they notice at the top of the hill that they are unable to get their cell reception. We, we get to take care of this, <laughs> like you right said away. last week, right? We got to take care of this early on. Nobody has cell reception. Um, and Matthias, unfortunately, the one who had the phone with it, had been showing it to the Mayans to try to communicate with them. And they took the phone from him. So they had it at the bottom. So they don't have cell phones. But they start hearing a cell phone ringing. Uh, from this pit and so they decide to descend into this pit and see what's down there and if the rest of the group is down there and at least find this phone and i think this is pretty true to the to the novel as well isn't it mm-hmm. at this point yeah and uh, matthias gets lowered down but as he's being lowered uh the girls notice that the rope is starting to fray now if you and I were in the situation, we would probably hurry up and continue lowering the rope instead of reversing course and trying to pull it up again. Right. Which was a really bad move uh, on their part uh, because the rope does indeed break uh, and Matthias falls pretty far down uh, into this thing. And so now um, somebody's got to go in after him and that somebody ends up being Stacy. I don't know if she was the most equipped to really go down and take care of this guy, but they put her, you know, they make sure that the rope is all secure and solid and stuff again. And they craft a makeshift backboard out of backpack things and stuff that they have lying around so that they can get Matias raised out of this pit. Well, yeah, they do eventually. But first, when Stacy goes down, um, they lower her down and she gets to a point where she can see him at the bottom and they know he's alive. Uh, they can hear him. But when she she gets to a certain point, I would say she's probably 10, 12 feet in the air. They're out of rope and they can't lower her any further. And I, I think it happened this way in the book too, but I don't remember. But it really doesn't make any sense to me because what they say is we're out of rope can you jump now that doesn't make any sense to me because then how are they going to get her out <laughs> like <laughs> if she do- if she jumps down there and they don't have any more rope how are they going to get her out but yeah. i guess somehow they find more rope somewhere but first she jumps down there and she's okay except for when Matthias had fallen, he had had um, a lantern, and of course the lantern had shattered, and uh, she falls on some of that debris and cuts her knee badly. And so she's injured too, and she find, you know, she says that, um, what's his name, Matthias is okay, but he can't move, and she says it smells like feces it's not what she says but that's what (laughs) and so it becomes obvious that uh he has broken his spine which is why he's lost control of his bowels and um so they know he's in trouble so then they also have to send amy down they build that backboard and they send amy down once again they can't get it quite all the way down to the bottom so amy and stacy have to lift matthias onto this backboard which everybody knows is a terrible idea 
Um, you never lift somebody with uh, a back injury, especially a spinal injury, but I suppose also what choice do they have? It's either lift him or leave him down there. So they lift him onto the backboard and they do get him back up and they get back up. Gosh, I don't even remember how things start to go bad. There's some little worse. Yeah, there's some little Easter eggy things, like if you're really paying attention, that are showing you that things are a little sinister or something's not quite right. As they're being lowered down or being pulled back up, if you look closely in the background as they're going down this channel or whatever that is lined with these vines, uh, you can notice that the vines are, are shivering a little bit, almost like a little little tendrils are kind of reaching not not just very subtly you know sort of reaching out to them it could be mistaken for the wind and then they do hear that cell phone ringing uh but they have to come back uh and and try to figure out the cell phone but because he's injured amy runs down to to, she's like we got to get help from these mayans like they gotta you know they're the only people around here who can help us in some way um so she runs down the uh temple and is at the base and is kind of trying to get their attention. It's kind of there's a kind of a shouting match, and in her frustration, she grabs, tears a piece of the vine off and throws it at them, and ends up hitting one of the kids who is there. Like these Mayans have basically set up camp down there now. Yeah, it's like these people are here. We got to keep them on the temple, uh, which is you know which is what they're supposed to be doing. And so like their whole families have come out and they've set up camp all around there. And so this kid, this has touched the kid. Uh, and suddenly they go a little crazy and they're arguing and fighting and the kid's crying and he's like raising his hands and they shoot this this boy, this little boy, which yeah. is always a troubling thing uh, in a movie. And, uh, you know, we always we talk about this often when a horror movie goes there, <laughs> you know, when mm-hmm. it's willing to put kids in peril and show kids. And this is no bones about it. They blast this kid just as graphically as. Uh, we saw the Greek kid get uh, blasted earlier. So, um, yeah, um, I thought that was interesting that the movie was willing to go there. But that tells them, A, you know, they really are in over their heads. They don't know what's going on. But B, maybe it has something to do with this plant or these plants. I can't remember if they exactly are putting that piece, those pieces together quite yet. But I think they do. And I, I pretty, you know, that... Because the kid had been touched by the vines and then they killed, these Mayans killed one of their own, and not only one of their own, but a child. Um, I think that they put it together. And then when they go back up, somebody notices that their clothes are covered in residue, I guess, yeah, um, it, from these plants. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of what it looks like, I guess, like pollen from these plants. They're, it's all over their clothes, it's in their hair, um, it's on their skin, and so they know something's wrong. Throughout this, they're also having conversations about conserving water, and Jeff remains optimistic. Look, Dimitri's play ticket. How does that help us? Uh, you're supposed to leave tomorrow morning. On a 705 flight. So when he doesn't show up tomorrow, his friends are definitely going to know that something's wrong. How will they know where we are? They have the map. Dimitri copied the map for him. So they'll be here tomorrow. We just have to make it through tonight. He even says at one point, a bunch of white 
kids don't go missing in Mexico and nobody does anything about it. Like he, yeah. He's just confident <laughs> that uh, somehow they will be found. They also know that those other Greek guys were supposed to be meeting them there. So they also kind of hope that maybe those guys will show up. I don't know what they think would happen if those guys did show up because those Mayans are down there with their guns and, you know. <laughs> but Jeff tries to keep everybody optimistic. They, uh, they go to sleep um, for a night, and when they wake up in the morning, Stacy's legs are bothering her. So she pulls the blanket off of her legs and sees that her legs are wrapped in these vines and that the vines in fact are going into growing into the wound in her knee. Oh, it's so gross. It, <laughs> it is gross. That, like I <laughs> in my notes in my notes I have Stacy's legs exclamation point. <laughs> but they they pull, you know, the vines out uh, and I would assume that they notice because we can certainly see it. The the vines move like they're almost like snake-like in their movement. But they pull them all out, and while they're still kind of reeling from that, Matthias calls Amy over and says, "There's something wrong. Show me my legs." And so she pulls the blanket off of his legs, and his legs have been from the knee down, almost just entirely eaten down to the bone. Um, Ugh, by these vines, <laughs> it is the movie's gory, yeah. and uh, and it does not shy away from showing you stuff. And it, you know, I, I can kind of take gore or leave it. I don't need it. It, it doesn't bother me usually that much. But um, the effects here are are good. Uh, it looks real, and it really. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I was. Squirming, you know, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah, it, it's you. You see those vines, you know, going into her wound and and wrapped around and moving around his disintegrated legs, and it it just gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, if I've squirmed so much in a horror movie since like the first time I saw one of the Saw films, you know, where. It, where we're just getting really up close and personal with splintering bones and things like that. And this movie, you're right, it doesn't pull any punches in that regard. And, you know, that's a good thing, I guess. It does provide most of the horror. But here is the point at which... All right, so we're halfway through the movie now, and now there's this problem. So they all realize that there's something funky going on with these plants, and the girls, they, they hear a cell, the cell phone ringing again, and they realize that they still have that cell phone down there that they could probably get and deal with. So the two girls decide to descend down into the pit. And there they are inside this big chamber with their lights, and they hear the ringing, and it's coming from like a passageway, which is almost completely overgrown with these vines. I mean, there's vines on the floor, the walls, the ceiling, it's like a tunnel of vines. Mm -hmm. So this is the point at which I'm thinking, I mean, of course, we're thinking like, no, you guys are crazy. I'm thinking, wouldn't you be doing something about this? <laughs> they, they, they didn't seem to be displaying to me the appropriate amount of um, freak outedness about walking through, pushing away vines the, that are basically these passageways just big enough basically for them to fit through. 
and then into this little chamber, which is once again, you can't even see the walls or the ceiling or the floor. It's all thick vines. And there's a guy in there uh, that they find. It's a corpse and his phone. And they get the phone, but the phone is broken. And they start hearing the ringing still, but it's not coming from the phone. Amy looks over and sees uh, the... Oh, and this is such a great visual, actually. They, these, these vines have little red buds on them, little red flowers. And the little stamens inside that flower are vibrating. The flowers themselves are making that cell phone sound. And it's all around them now. All of a sudden, just the plant is almost mocking them. Mm-hmm. And then they start to hightail it out of there. And I, I don't know. It's different when you're reading a novel, right? Because you can imagine anything. But when you see the visual of this and these girls surrounded by this plant that is mocking them, how they manage to get out of there? The only explanation I have is that the plant itself wanted to play with these people before it ate them. I don't know. It just it, it just defied logic and sense to me. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I know. It does. Uh, and, and, like, when they finally realize that, it's as though the plant knows they know now. And so it yeah. uh, becomes it becomes aggressive, and it, like, starts grabbing at them and trying to pull them in. And uh, at one, they, they, they run back, you know, to their rope but along the way stacy the you know the vines trip her up intentionally and wrap around her leg and start pulling her back in and amy has to you know go back and and pull her out and they do get you know back onto the rope and and uh, they're screaming and the guys pull them up and the vines are kind of moving all around them but uh they do get up you're right it does seem like well you know if the vines could have gotten them <laughs> it would have been down there where they were yeah. completely surrounded. And that's why I said, if you had told me the premise of the book, I would have thought it was dumb because, you know, it's killer plants. First of all, that just doesn't in my mind sound particularly scary. It just sounds silly. It goes beyond that because not only because there are killer plants. I mean, there are plants that will kill you. Mm, right. <laughs> not in this kind of aggressive fashion, but <laughs> you know, I get it. Nature can be dangerous. Fine. So the idea of the killer vines, but then there's also this thing that they can imitate sound, and they can imitate the phone, and again, it's not like in the world of nature that this is impossible. There are animals that can perfectly mimic sound, but in the book, as silly as it sounds, like this plant, whatever it is, seems to be entirely sentient in that it can move and... There's one part coming up. I don't remember where it is. It's coming up soon. They get them back up. Eric wants to make a run for it. Jeff says they can't. There's no way they'll get past the Mayans. Stacy starts getting paranoid's not the right word. She can feel the vines under her skin. Yeah. And in fact, the point comes where you can see them. They are there. Like at first, you kind of think maybe she's just paranoid and and justifiably so but eventually you can see that in fact yes they are moving around under her skin and and she's kind of breaking down here anyway because uh you know she i think it's like the next morning or something after they have this encounter she goes uh, full-on accusatory and says that she heard eric having sex with amy and they're like what are you talking about and she's like i heard you guys last night don't deny it and then 
uh, the sounds of her and her freak out start getting echoed back at her. And it turns out that the plant, which is surrounding them, even at the top of this ruins, this plant is surrounding them the entire time. Uh huh. And so that this is again, this is kind of what I'm saying, like everything pretty much gets proven to them. Uh, you know, she's woken up with a plant inside of her. The guy's ha- legs were getting eaten off by the plant. They watched the vines, you know, tr- try to pull him away. And they had to, you know, to keep to, to pull him back. The girls went down there. They had that experience. They had the experience of the cell phone. They had this experience. It's like, all right, you guys are surrounded by pl- this plant at all times. I don't know what I would do in that situation, but I'm pretty sure I would never turn my back on it. <laughs> right you know <laughs> so this is the point where the movie kind of like i'm I, I just like there's just a discord there's a disconnect that i'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it bothers me i get what you're saying but there's really not anything they can do they can't leave uh and and there's no you know how do you fight a plant <laughs> you know like <laughs> you start you start picking all the flowers like i i I don't know what they would do, but what you said about the plants mimicking her speech, that's what I was trying to get to because um, it sounds so ludicrous. But in the book, as ludicrous as it may have sounded, and not only can it mimic voices, but like it can talk. It's like a a macaw, you know, or, or something that can perfectly imitate sounds. It it seems like it should be silly, but in the book, I remember it actually being pretty frightening, and it still works okay here. Like like you said, I I think it works better in your imagination, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because to actually see it maybe takes a little bit of something away from it. It still works. It's fine. Yeah. Um, we we skipped the part. Uh, uh, Jeff, <laughs> this twenty two year old med student, makes the decision that they're going to have to amputate Matias's legs oh. because otherwise they're going to get infected. Um, but not to worry because he has a spinal injury, so he won't be able to feel anything. Um, <laughs> and then they do this whole amputation scene, and it's horrible because all they have is like a small hunting knife, like a pocket knife, um, and then he breaks the bones with this large rock with kind of a, not a sharp edge, but at least um, an edge to it. And, you know, they it shows it in pretty graphic detail. The worst part of it is that Jeff clearly didn't know what he was talking about because Matthias obviously can feel it because mm. he's screaming in agony through this whole thing. And we not only do we see both the legs get chopped off, but then Jeff uses like a, a frying pan that's been in the fire to cauterize the ends of the legs, which we also see. And it's just, I mean, it's brutal. While this movie, you know, there are scenes that take place at night, most of it is in broad daylight. Yeah. Bright, bright daylight. Uh, and and the, the movie was filmed using natural light. Uh, and so everything is very bright and clear, and so you see everything. And as things start to get progressively grosser, I, I mean, there's just no holding back. Yeah. The next thing that happens really is is Stacy can feel these vines moving around underneath her, and it's come to the point where they can see them. So Jeff, uh, using that same knife 
cuts into her skin and starts pulling them out and and they're writhing and trying to stay in and trying to avoid the knife these vines but uh disgusting he gets them out but it is disgusting i mean we see him sticking the knife in and you know i don't know how they did this effect but it looks real and he sticks it a good inch and a half two inches into her and is digging around and the blood is just pouring out and he's digging his fingers in these wounds it makes me (laughs) shiver just talking about it but they they do get them out they think they do but then they're all sitting around and amy looks at stacy and she sees and we see the vines moving around in her forehead and stacy can feel it and she believes that they saw it but they're just trying to keep her calm but she wants to cut more uh and they say you can't we can't cut more and and that that appears to be true because this girl is bleeding like crazy. If they kept doing this, she would surely die. But uh, they wake up the next morning. Unfortunately, Stacy wakes up first, and the plants kind of taunt her. The night before, she had been saying, "I want to cut it. I want to cut it." So the plants start chanting that in her voice: "Cut it. Cut it." So when Eric gets up in the morning, he gets out of the tent, and we just see Stacy from behind, from kind of a distance. She's standing, but her head is lowered. And you can tell, even from behind, what's happening. Uh, You can see some blood on her side and on her legs. But when she turns around, she has just carved herself to ribbons. I mean, she's basically flayed one of her legs. Oh, um, that was really gross. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about the that whole thing. thing. And and she's continuing to cut. Um, and they're telling her to stop. And she's saying, no, it's okay. I just have to get this one more. And she's digging. And Jeff approaches her. And as though she thinks he's going to try to take the knife from her, she swings around with the knife and slices his hand. He and Amy, Jeff and Amy, try to tend to that wound, and Eric, her boyfriend, approaches her, and she swings around, and, you know, she's, there's no other thing to say than basically she's kind of crazy at this point. You know, she doesn't do this intentionally or out of malice, but I think just out of survival instinct or whatever it is, she turns around and she plunges the knife right into either his heart or his lungs but to the hilt yeah she's a strong gal yeah to get all the way through the breastplate and everything right and he goes down and this you know like you said it's not as though we're particularly connected to any of these characters but this part was heartbreaking yeah you know she realizes what she's done and she's horrified and and she's sobbing as as she lays next to her boyfriend who is you know dying you know just gasping for air and uh eventually he he does die and the vines immediately grab him by the legs and start pulling him away and she is is sobbing sobbing and she eventually just starts begging begging amy to kill her 
and Amy saying, I can't, I can't. The vines pull uh, Eric away. Jeff smartly pulls the knife out of his chest before they pull him away entirely. And then it cuts away to a shot of the Mayans standing and looking up the hill. And you hear Stacy's screams, and then they stop. Yeah. Do you th- do you think they killed her? Yeah, I do. They had to have, right? I think yeah. Jeff killed her. Yeah. It, it's yeah, it's crazy, and and it was shocking to me. But you know, she's begging for it, and she's bleeding, probably half bled to death anyway. Oh and yeah, him, she would have died anyway. Him being the med school student and sort of the more stoic. I mean, he was. He did a, I mean, as as messy as those amputations were, he did a pretty good job of maintaining his cool through that, as well as yes. carving into her and pulling the things out. So, I mean, I, it made sense to me that he could do that if he decided that that was medically appropriate. <laughs> well, it would have been the merciful thing to do. I yeah, mean, yeah. she would have died anyway, and she had to have been in just excruciating pain, plus the misery of knowing what she had just done. So, it would... I agree with you. I think they did. I think that Jeff probably killed her, but um, either way, she's dead. And that leads up to the end, which is very, very different than the way that the book ended, but I like the ending uh, as it plays out, and and there are actually a couple of diff- a couple of alternate endings that we can talk about, but the way, you know, the theatrical release ending, um, I, I think is pretty good. Did we see the theater? We saw the one of the alternate endings, didn't we? Did we? I'm not sure. I read in IMDb uh, something about the ending, and it said that there's an alternate ending. Yeah. Oh, it says, this is just uh, an alternate ending on the DVD feature shows Amy driving away. When she looks in the rearview mirror, it shows a small vine moving under her skin just below her eye. And we saw that, right? We so, saw that, right. So that must but- be... We must have seen the alternate ending. I, I don't remember what the difference was. Gosh, I'm confused, and I would have to look it up, too, because... All right, so anyway, what happens is Jeff makes a plan, and there are a lot of deleted scenes. Well, not a lot, like three or four. You can find them all on YouTube. They're all on, I guess, the Blu-ray. Uh, in a deleted scene, you actually see them talking about the plan. You don't see so much of that here. You just... He smears her with blood... Um, which they have plenty of at this point, <laughs> and and mud. And then the next thing we see is the Mayans standing down. By the way, at some point, we didn't talk about it, but they figure it out. They figure out that the vines, the, the Mayans are keeping these vines isolated. They're, they're, they've salted the earth all around this hill, and that's why they're forcing them to stay up there, because if they were to come out, they would bring the vines with them. So uh, we see the Mayans down at the bottom, and Jeff starts coming down the hill, and he's holding Amy, who is presumably dead. I mean, she looks dead. She's limp in his arms. And he lays her down on the ground uh, at the foot of the hill, and then he starts talking to them. And he says, my name's Jeff. Um, I'm 22 three years old or whatever I was going to be a doctor that was my dream and the whole time that he's doing this he's very slowly walking away from her and everybody all of the Mayans who are still down there are following him and moving away from her and leaving her untended or unattended excuse me and eventually 
he gets far enough away that he kind of stops and he says and she was my girlfriend and she had hopes and dreams or something too uh, and you're going to know her name her name was Amy and he screams her name and as soon as he shouts her name she jumps up and bolts through the forest so yeah. this was their their plan is for her to escape and come back for him but uh, <laughs> there's not going to be anything to come back to because the central Mayan guy um, shoots uh, Jeff they, they, they shoot him with several arrows and then eventually uh, the guy shoots him in the head too yeah. all, all of the other Mayans are chasing Amy through the forest in my mind what I'm thinking at this point is what's the point like she's already contaminated the forest yeah. <laughs> like, she has screwed she, it up for she just everybody. brought on the apocalypse right <laughs> <laughs> But they're yep. they're trying to they're they're chasing her they're shooting at her you know bullets are ricocheting all around her uh, arrows are hitting trees around her but she gets back to it's not even their car that she takes it's one of the archaeologists' car I guess they found the key there or something and at the very last second she gets the car started and she drives away and she's getting away and the camera clo- does a very intense close-up on her eyes and we see vines moving underneath her skin Mm -hmm. like you said i read on imdb too that that was an alternate ending if that's true i don't remember how it originally ended the only thing that i can think is that maybe we didn't maybe we just saw her get away and we didn't see the vines moving under her skin. Yeah, th- that could be it. Because then there's a yet another scene after that where the Greeks, I guess, who had fallen asleep or were passed out the day before, have made it back through, and they are on the path, and they come up to the ruins. And so that's kind of that little zinger there at the end that this is about to happen all over again with a fresh new batch of people. Uh, right. So. The book ended very differently. Uh, first of all, we we failed to mention that Matthias died. You know, we keep talking about these killer vines. They really only kill one person. Yeah, uh, Matthias. The vines <laughs> only kill Matthias. And the way that they kill him is that they, while others are distracted, the vines attack him and go down into his throat uh, and suffocate him. Um, in the book, Amy and Jeff get in a fight, and this happens at night, and the vines do that to Amy, and Jeff is standing there watching it happen, but it's dark, and so he doesn't know. He thinks that she's just being petulant and not talking to him, but in fact, she's being killed right in front of his face. Um, it's, and in the book, Amy is the first to go. Uh, the last man standing, or woman standing, in the book is Stacy, and she... Uh, at the end makes a sign like a beware or like a skull and crossbones I don't remember but she makes a sign and she puts it down at the base of the uh, temple or, or the hill and then she kills herself as a warning to anybody else who will come however the vines pull her body and the sign away so that her warning is is for naught Mm-hmm. Um, so the the book ends even more grimly than the movie. Um, there was one other uh, alternate or additional scene that you can find on YouTube uh, where we are in a cemetery and there's a funeral going on 
but our attention is diverted away from the funeral to a groundskeeper uh, who is whistling but when he stops whistling he continues to hear the whistling and he follows it and it leads him to a headstone that says Amy on it on which these vines with these red flowers are growing as Mm -hmm. though you know she has brought them out she's died however she died but she brought them out into the world that's awesome Um, by the way (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I liked that. I liked that ending. You know, I think it's fine as a deleted scene. You know, it's it's unnecessary, but I kind of like the implication of the vines, you know, having been brought out, and we get to see that more than just seeing it under her skin in the car. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think if you're a fan of gore effects, mm. I think that you're going to be really pleased by this movie. Uh and just overall, it's it's kind of one of those. What year did this come out? Two thousand eight. You know, in the that that time period between two thousand two thousand ten, maybe a little bit later, there was this hor- the style of horror movies changed a little bit. They became a little bit less gritty. What am I trying to say here? Like everything here is in bright daylight. Mm. It's very direct. Everything looks very not clean as in the people look clean, but like the shots all look very clear and clean. Um, It's not kind of that dark, gritty stuff that we were used to uh, in the 80s and 90s. They were more or less shot as as you would shoot just like a teen drama or a, yes. a romantic comedy or something like that in the cinematography right or in the, in the yes. settings right it's very i think the idea of course was to make it more real to people and to show you you know right. you don't need dark lights and nightmares to to get horror you know you you can encounter this stuff in the middle of the day when you're out with your friends partying on spring break <laughs> right yeah. and so it's got kind of that feel to it but i you know i think it's very competently made the acting is i I have no complaints i thought all of the performers were good um i found the guy who played eric particularly charming (laughs) and stacy too you know jeff and amy were kind of the central couple they were kind of boring to me i liked stacy and eric better i'd rather hang out with them (laughs) but uh you know while i don't think that it's an amazing movie um, it's got a 5.8 out of 10 stars on IMDb. I didn't check the Rotten Tomatoes score. I, I think it's good. I, I think it's a good movie and, and one that horror fans will enjoy. Now, somebody like your wife should never touch this with a yes. 10-foot pole. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely not. It's just way too gory. Way too gory. And I, I've got I've to admit, too... Um, it's there's nothing really wrong with this movie at all. It's pretty satisfying in a lot of different ways. Even what I said earlier about it's really a little hard to fathom that they can be surrounded by these plants, but the plants don't end up posing such a danger to them as you would expect. And they don't end up, I think, still kind of like reacting and acting the way that I would if I was surrounded by what I thought was a killer plant it can kind of be explained away. I mean, you can, it can be explained away by what you don't know. Like, well, maybe the plants really aren't actually that capable. Maybe they are biding their time and, and 
toying and playing with them. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know enough about this plant. And that's another interesting thing about this movie. You don't know the, about the origins of the plant. You don't know about these mm-hmm. ruins or what. There's, there's no attempt at all to say, oh, this is like part of an ancient Mayan, you know, curse. Or, you know, they don't find hieroglyphics inside that, you know, foretell right. this. And there's none of that, which adds to the horror of the situation and conveniently covers those potentially loose threads. <laughs> right. right. So in some ways, people might see it as a cop-out. In other ways, well, this is just kind of how life is sometimes, right? Right. Uh, we just don't know. So I, I can I can even say that that didn't ultimately bother me, um, mm-hmm. like that sort of believability issue often bothers me in another movie, because it may very well not have been a believability issue. You just don't know. No, in this case, I prefer that they don't try to explain it. You know, I, I felt like it would have been cheap if they had. I think yeah, it would have been cheesier and pulpier uh you're right right. you're right we don't need to know why or how it just this is what it is and it's scary and we deal with it (laughs) i mean (laughs) or don't deal with it i mean again what can they do but anyway yeah i would recommend the book over the movie i enjoyed Mm. the book more um but maybe i would have enjoyed the movie more had i not read the book first and had i not read the book so soon before I saw the movie. I mean, I saw the movie like right away, right after the book. So mm-hmm. um, maybe if it hadn't been as fresh in my mind, uh, I would have appreciated the movie more. Or maybe if I hadn't read the book at all, I would have appreciated the movie more. But I really did enjoy the book. And um, the movie, for what it is, I think is is perfectly fine. There's a lesson in here for all of us, folks. Be careful when you travel and don't break quarantine. yeah (laughs) well thank you again for listening to another episode if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with a friend you can find us online just by googling two guys in a chainsaw you'll find us on facebook twitter and you'll find our youtube channel like us subscribe to us in those places and send us a message let us know what requests you have and we'll do our best to get to them until next time i'm todd and i'm craig with two guys in a chainsaw